Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, and I'm seeing a couple of new faces, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest, and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. Like Aaron mentioned in the announcements, we've got some really nice visitor's cards in the back of your pew, and we've got to use those up, okay? So take those out, fill them out. You can pass them to me. We've got a box in the foyer as you exit. All we're going to do is send you a, a letter in the mail or maybe shoot you an email and invite you back out to this church because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. We're so excited to have you here with us this morning. One more quick announcement, okay? One more quick announcement. Next Sunday, which is the 22nd, right, Alicia? Is it the 22nd? We're having our fellowship luncheon, and if you looked on the bulletin, you see it's going to be soup, salad, and breadsticks, just like the Olive Garden, okay? If you don't like it, it's not like the Olive Garden, okay? We just want to make sure that you come on out and you bring your favorite soup, your favorite salad, and your favorite breadsticks, okay? It's going to be kind of like a... Uh, you're going to bring it, and, and we're going to eat together, and it's going to be free, I guess, in a sense, okay? So all we're asking is for you to come to that and, and enjoy fellowship with us. We'd be happy to have you there uh, for that. Well, I, I hope all you guys had a Valentine's, a great Valentine's Day. It was Valentine's Day yesterday. Y- y'all know that, right? Okay, just checking. I hope and pray that you had a great Valentine's Day yesterday with your significant other uh, for those of us with all ladies in our homes, we're going to ask the congregation to take up a special collection after the service today to help us with some of the money that we had to spend on Valentine's Day. I don't know if it's just me, but the price of roses and chocolate must have went up this year because I spent a lot of money. Uh, but it was exciting. I was blessed to be with my significant other. We had a great, great time, and I hope that you did as well. And also, I want to say a special thank you to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ youth group who were able to watch our children for us while we went out on a date day. So, Aaron, Lizzie, the Acosta family, thank you so much for watching our children. Uh, For us parents who have young ones that don't get to go out as much as we should, uh, we thank you so much for that. We had a great time yesterday. So let's hop into it this morning. Over the month of February, over the past couple of weeks, we've been taking the time to talk about love. And the sermon series title is, What's Love Got to Do With It? And the answer to that question is, everything. Everything, amen. So for the past couple of weeks, we've been working our way through this uh, material. In week one, we spent our time talking about the second great command, which is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And last week, we talked about uh, how to show love with words, some of the words that you can use to encourage and build each other up. And today, in week three, I thought we would spend some time learning how to love others as Jesus loves, okay? So remember this statement that I'm getting ready to say to you this morning. The best way to learn anything is by a model. The best way to learn anything is by a model. What I understand about this concept of love is that many of us have different interpretations on what love is. You see, to express my love on Valentine's Day, my thought was, Mary and I, we stay home. 
I flip on the NBA All-Star Weekend. We order some pizza, and I let my wife just sit right next to me, and we enjoy the game together. But I understand that that's not Mary's definition of love. Amen? Mary's definition of love is you better get dressed up. You better take me out, and we better have a good time with just you and I looking into each other's eyes and talking. So obviously, we have two definitions of how to show forth love, and Mary's definition was not as good as mine, but we went and did it anyway. All I'm saying to you, church, is that oftentimes when it comes to this concept of love, we have different thoughts about it. What is love? How do you show love? What does it look like? How, do you, how, do you, how does it manifest in the flesh? And I will say to you, we have the greatest example of what love is found in the person Jesus Christ. So you know what that does to all of our definitions? It throws them out the window and we say we have the perfect definition right here. So we're going to look at that perfect definition of love this morning. You see, I learned how to tie ties for church on Sunday morning by watching my father, and now I consider myself an expert tie-tier, even though I don't wear ties. But I learned that by watching my father tie his tie on Sunday morning. My daughters learned how to braid their hair by watching their mom marry, and now they're really good at it. So all I'm saying, church, is if we want to learn how to love other people in a way that is moving and powerful, we've got to look at the greatest model of love the world has ever known. So I've got a couple of passages of Scripture this morning to help us with looking at this model, and then the message will be yours. The first here is found in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. So read this uh, with me together. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you haven't highlighted that in your Bible yet or on your tablet, make sure you do that. There's a couple of things here that are really important that we need to flesh out when it comes to this model of love and showing how to, Jesus showing us how to love other people. He first says, I, I give you a new command. Now, is this a new command? Why was it considered a new command. Well, it was considered a new command because of what I told you earlier. There were some different definitions on what love was. A new command. What did the old command say about love? If you think about the old commandment and how we relate it to others, there were some principles there that weren't very, I don't know, kind in a sense. One of them said if there's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If someone does something to you, what you do is you do it back to them. And what that does is that balances everything out. So everybody's on the same playing field. And that was kind of the definition of love, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a stripe for a stripe. That's the way it went. That's was the, the, the old law summed up in a couple of words there. But Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to switch that example of love, and I'm going to give you a new command. And this new command is to love each other like I love you. And I'm wondering if they're saying to themselves, well, well what does that mean? We, complete, we, kinda don't, we don't understand that, 
just yet. And then Jesus goes on and kind of fleshes that out a bit. Let's look at verses 15 through 17 of this uh, very same text here in chapter, chapter 13. He says here, and this is Jesus as the model, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now Jesus said, I, I gave you an example. I gave you an example on how to love others. And the question is, well, what is that example? I don't have this entire text up on the screen because it would take up uh, too much room on there. But I want to look at the story of Jesus showing th this model or modeling or showing an example of what this love looks like. And some of you have already been reading it. We're already there. It's the beginning of chapter 13, starting in verse number one. You guys follow along with me, and let's look at this example of love together. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. Now, how did he do that? He now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted G uh, Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So if you think about the context of this passage, Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. He was there with the disciples, and he said, let me show you what love is. And he began to get down and wash his disciples' feet. I set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I've set you an example. I've given you a model. And the model is me washing my disciples' feet. Verse number 6, Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. The whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. Judas. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? Do you understand this model or this example I just set? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And then we get to this passage on the screen. 
I have set this example. So here we see a classic example of what love is all about. Washing each other's feet. Not literally, but washing each other's feet spiritually, figuratively. What does that mean? That means to serve other people. That's what love is. So really what love is, is when I say to Mary, is there anything I can do for you? How can I help you? What is it that you need me to do to show forth my love to you? What can I do for you? That's what love is all about. In sickness, in health, in rich or poor, until death do us part. What can I do for you? That's what love is, not what can you give to me, but what can I do for you? And if that is the model, that is a new command that all of us are required and called to follow. So how do we love like Jesus? First of all, we've got to consider this example. Another way we love like Jesus is found in Romans chapter 15, verses 15, or 5 through 7, excuse me. Romans Chapter 15, verses 5 through 7. It says 17 up there. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the key verse in verse number 7. Accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God acceptance is a way that you love people like Christ. Acceptance is a way that you love people like Christ. Just remember that. It's all about acceptance, church. Acceptance makes people feel loved. You see, when married couples get married, they, they say, I do, right? So you come to the altar and you say, I do. And what most husbands and wives are fiancés are thinking about that situation is they say, I do accept the challenge of changing you into the person I want you to become. Because I see some serious potential in you, but it's going to take some time. So for those of you who have been married for a while, you know that is the case, right? You meet your significant other and you're like, this person could be perfect for me. Or some of us even say it this way, this, perfect, this person is, is just absolutely perfect. But in the back of your mind, you're going, there's a couple of things that we could probably work on. But we're going to be together, and we're going to work that out, right? But what you realize when you get married is that that person probably isn't going to change. They are the way that they are. I am the way that I am. You are the way that you are. So when you come together in marriage, it's not so much about changing the other person it's about you saying, I'm going to accept this person just the way that they are. I thank the Lord that Mary has accepted me just the way I am. <laughs> it's all about acceptance, church. So if you really want to show forth love, you have to accept people just the way they are. With all their flaws, with all their hang-ups, with all their hiccups, with all their good attributes, with all of it. Accept them just the way they are. That's what God does to us, right? I want you just the way you are. You're perfect that way. That's not to say, though, that over the course of time, relationships, people in relationships, husbands and wives don't change. We do, right? I thank God that Mary is different from me because I learned a lot from 
Mary, right? And Mary has learned a lot from me because we're so different, but acceptance is key. And if you want to love like Christ, you've got to accept people just the way they are. And the question I have for you this morning is, are you doing that? Think about your community. Think about your family. Think about your friends. Have you accepted people just the way they are? Or do they have to fit into your box in order to be accepted? Do they have to be in your circle of trust in order to be accepted? Or are you just taking people just the way they are? Because that's what Jesus did, right? Just the way you are. That's how to love like Christ. Well, what else? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 says this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's workmanship. You know what that tells me? It tells me if we're going to love like Jesus loves, we have to see the value in others as well. Not only do we have to accept them, but we have to see their value. Everybody has a different gift, and everybody is important. And when you don't see the value in a person... When you don't see the value in the person, you can mess up their lives. You can mess up your life. There's a, a movie that I loved growing up as a kid, and maybe you've seen it. It's the movie called Sandlot. Have you guys seen the movie Sandlot before? Maybe some of you have. What I love about this movie so much is that there was this kid in the movie Sandlot who was kind of a nerd. Is it okay to say that? I mean, he wasn't the stereotypical baseball player. He didn't even have the proper baseball hat, right? He had the long brim. And he would go out to the sandlot to go play baseball with the other kids. And the other kids would make fun of him because he didn't know how to play baseball. But there was one person that said, you know what? He's got potential. I see the value in him. Bring him on in. Later on in the story, this young kid who was finally accepted, uh, they, they were playing baseball and they hit a ball over the fence and the big dog was back there. You guys remember that? And then the kid went back to his father's house, his stepfather's house, and took a baseball off the baseball mantle that was signed by the guy, by this guy by the name of Baby Ruthie, right? Signed by this guy by the name of Baby Ruthie. So he went out and played with this baseball, and they hit the ball, and it went over the fence, and the kid was having a hard time, and they were like, what's wrong with you? He said, that ball wasn't mine. It belonged to my stepfather, and it was signed by this guy by the name of Baby Ruthie. And the kid said, are you kidding me? That is baby Ruth, the great Bambino, right? You guys remember the story. In that story, this kid didn't understand the value of the baseball that he had in his hand. In that story, the other children didn't realize the value of this kid that they were accepting into their community. But when you see the value of people, when you accept them, magnificent and mighty things could happen, even if they are different than you. And I said it in Bible class, and I'll say it this morning. That's because like minds don't accomplish much. Just keep that in your toolbox. I'm going to say that one more time. Like minds don't accomplish much. I thank the Lord for diversity. I thank the Lord for people that think different and differently. And I thank the Lord for people who accept people like that. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Here's another way to love like Jesus. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And in order to love like Jesus Christ, 
you have to forgive. You have to forgive often and forgive quickly. And it's funny because I enjoy spending time with more seasoned married couples. I'm going to use the word seasoned. They've been married for a long time, 50, 60 years, right? And Mary and I will sit with them and we'll say, what's the key to staying together for 50 and 60 years? They often say, just forgive often and forgive quickly. Because if you're able to do that, that keeps the relationship together and you keep on moving. If we want to love like Jesus loves, we have to be willing to forgive quickly and forgive often. Forgiveness, church, puts you in a power position. Forgiveness puts you in a power position. And what do I mean by that? You guys remember the story of Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament. If you're reading through your Bibles and keeping up with your chronological Bible readings, you've read through this passage of Scripture already. Story of Jacob and Esau. They were brothers. They were twins, right? And Jacob stole, they say, Esau's birthright. Sold it right from him. And then later on in the story, we learned that, that Jacob, through conspiracy with his mother, went and stole Esau's blessing. And Esau wanted to kill his younger brother Jacob because of all the things that he did to him. We realize Esau wasn't that nice of a guy himself, wasn't that righteous himself. But over the course of time, these two brothers saw each other in the distance. And if you remember the story, Jacob sent uh, before him cattle and sheep and goats and different servants to kind of pacify Esau because he said, you know what, Esau is going to kill me. And when Esau saw Jacob, you know what Esau did? He came up to him and hugged him and said, forgive you. Let it go. And the story continues on that they had fellowship one with another and then went on their separate ways. Forgiveness is a powerful tool, church. And if you want to love like Jesus loves, you've got to learn how to forgive quickly and forgive often. And in the story of Jacob and Esau, everything that had been done in the past was gone. And that's a very powerful position to be in. When you can look at somebody that has done you wrong and said, you know what? That stuff is in the past. I'm not going to let that bother me anymore. We've got a new start, a brand new relationship. If you're able to do that, church, you're in a power position. But if you can't do that, Satan is whooping you. Satan is winning. He's beating you up every time when you can't let things go. We've got to learn to forgive often and forgive quickly. And then lastly, as I step down this morning, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 We've got to learn to encourage one another to do good. It says this in Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. In order to love like Jesus loves, We've got to make sure we encourage each other to do good. Encourage each other to do good. Back at uh, my previous congregation up in Sacramento, uh, every year we would invite 15 to 20 college students to our church, usually from Harding University. Every spring break, they called it spring break missions. And we would take our Harding students, and they would come out, and we would house them. We would feed them. We'd put them up for an entire week, 15 to 20 college students, right? So they ate up everything in the house, but we loved it. We loved it anyway. They would come, and they would come to our church, and we would look around the community. Wherever we went up in northern uh, Sacramento, Natomas area, we'd go around to various parts of the city to see if there were any needs that we could serve. 
So we would go around and we would knock on people's door. Can I mow your grass? Can I take out your garbage? Can I wash your car? So forth and so on. We'd do that for an entire week. And what I loved, and, and the reason I brought these students out, was not so much because of the service they were doing to the community, although that was powerful. I brought them out to see the impact they were having on our congregation. When our congregation saw those kids, those Harding students, doing the good work that they were doing, our church got fired up. And they said, how can we join in community with this? So some of our members would come out with us and go wash cars and mow grass and and it was wonderful. And what we were doing is we were encouraging one another, spurring one another, each other to do good deeds. And that's what the church is here for, to encourage one another to go out into this world and do something good and to make a difference. And if we're not about that in the church, what kind of church are we? If we're not here to say to one another, you could do it, you go out and make a difference. And I think we have that here at this church, and that's what makes it so special. And then I just want to leave you with this one thought. The reason why you come to church is because of what this verse says. You come to church to encourage one another. Oftentimes we think we come to church for what reason? For me. I need to come. I need to get my spiritual feel. I need to partake of my spiritual food. I need to partake of those worship songs and all this. And then I'm going to leave. Now, that's partly correct. That's true. All of us need to come and be filled spiritually. But you know what your presence does to the person sitting right next to you? It makes a huge difference in their lives. So how dare we think that selfishly and not realize that our presence does way more for the person that's sitting next to us? So you should look at your neighbor and say, thank you for being here. Go ahead and do that at this time. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Because what you did to your neighbors, you just encouraged them. And that's what the church is all about, encouraging one another to do good works. So I want to say this publicly. Thank you for being here because your presence here really fires me up and encourages me as well. So let's encourage one another as we serve this community together and, sh and love people like Jesus did. So as we close out, by way of invitation, I just want to leave you with this thought and let you know and remind you that our neighbors need love, church, more now than ever. And the question I have is, how are we loving them like Jesus? Are we accepting them? Do we see the value in them? Are we forgiving them when they mistreat us or do something wrong to us? Are we encouraging them and encouraging one another? And I think if we do that, church, that's what it means to love like Christ. Maybe there's someone here who's been falling short in that area. Maybe you hadn't been accepting. Maybe you hadn't seen the value in other people. Maybe you've been holding on to some grudges. This invitation is for you. You can come forward. The church will pray with you. We'll pray for you. Maybe this morning you're not a Christian. I don't think it's by chance that you're here. I think God wanted you here. And what he wanted you to hear was this message. Jesus Christ came to save you and to give you a better life. He wants you to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And if you're willing to do that today, we've got a baptistry ready. We'll baptize you in water and you can be added to the kingdom. And I guarantee your life will change for the better.